0: She's a hoe, we
1: some hoes
2: Wouldn't you like to be a hoe too? Well, hey everybody, welcome to this episode of Home of the Know I am a slightly sleepy Selena I'm also slightly (laughs) sleepy (laughs) Cory
0: Bedtime story Cory
2: Bedtime story (laughs) Cory And we are here with a very, uh, actually, how should I introduce you? Because I know you as a bunch of different names But I want to go by your sex work name that's okay.
3: Uh just Spencer, but also slightly sleepy, slightly so. sleepy,
2: <laughs> expensive Spencer. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Every episode, we begin with a segment we call historical hoes. And this week's historical hoe is Nanjay. So, I got my information from Wikipedia per usual, and asianhistoryblog.blogspot.com, Nanjae, Korean heroine. So, uh, yeah, this is my best rendition of Korean pronunciations, um, apologies ahead of time, but I'm gonna run through it. So, Nanjae was born in 1574 in Daegok-ri area of Jiangsu, born to joo Moon and Mrs. Park, Nun was a late-born child to the couple whose son died at 15. When she was four, her father died and her extended family plotted to take her, wanting to make her the wife of a male heir. Her mother soon found out and stole her away, but was caught and jailed. Her trial was overseen by province officer or official Choi Kyung who ruled on behalf of her innocence. Nun seeing that she had no place to go and no family to trust, at the age of 17, became Choi Kyung Kwe's concubine and lived in his house. In 1592, Japanese forces invaded the Korean peninsula in the Imjin War, during which official Choi, Nan husband, was assassinated. Afterwards, the Japanese eventually succeeded in their invasion of Soo Young Fortress, now near uh, Jinju area. To celebrate the victory, soldiers forced all the Kisang female entertainers to serve them at the Chok or Nyu Pavilion on a cliff that overlooks the Nam River. Nanjie was called to entertain the victorious Japanese generals alongside the other Kisang. And of course this is super controversial if you are at all aware of the geopolitical tension between Japan and Korea. This shit has been going on for so long, fucking fifteen hundreds, are you kidding me? Anyway, so she led uh the general Kiamaru uh Kiamura uh Roku or, Rokusuke. To the cliffside, where she embraced him, clasping her fingers with rings that locked her around him, and cast herself, along with a general, into the river, killing them both. Oh my god. It is said that she sacrificed herself not only in revenge for her husband's murder, but also out of love for her country. Yeah. However, this story is highly dubious, and it is most likely to have originated from Bak Changhua's Nunjie and uh, Yang uh, so I think that that is either a poetic work or some writing. Anyway, so the rock from which she leapt has been, has come to be known as uh, Yuim, the Rock of Righteousness. Pretty cool. And that is this week's historical ho nunjai. Hey, welcome to the show. Welcome. Thanks for having me. It's kind of funny because, like, I have talked to you online for so long now. It feels like. I feel, yeah. (laughs) We've had, like, an ongoing online dialogue, and also I've stolen many of your stories.
0: Yeah, that's you, totally fine. You have really,
3: really good stories. You're
2: just disseminating <laughs> all the information we need. Yeah,
3: <laughs> I try. I gotta do something with my time. This it's especially good this uh, Corona season.
1: Yes.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! I saw like a meme that was like a uh, time travel traveler like looking back at 2020. Like, oh, and that was the first pandemic yes
0: the first oh,
2: God. <laughs> well I, I wouldn't be
0: surprised i mean we've had i mean like the world has had pandemics before We
2: have yeah True. and there are still creatures carrying around the plague but i've also read that it's not that much of a problem because we have antibiotics and other things so i think right. it's
0: not that much of a problem where there are antibiotics
2: Yes, easily accessible. that's true. That's very true. Gotcha.
0: Yeah, yeah but yeah. it still exists. It does.
2: There's and squirrels with the plague in a lot Colorado.
0: Of, a lot of diseases actually exist in labs, like, under controlled environments that, like, we've supposedly gotten rid of, which I think is interesting. And I'm sort of into conspiracy theories. I don't know. <laughs> I, won't, I won't go on a tangent it. I mean, it's, there. It's, just,
2: <laughs> it's just, like, too many conspiracy theories are real, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Things that seem... like a conspiracy just leak out years later like oh that was true yeah
0: absolutely (laughs) always a surprise um so I wanted to ask you how like when did you start getting into meme culture yourself because you make croc memes
1: (laughs) I don't
3: make them so much as I steal them gotcha yeah I've like I've dabbled in making memes before but I'm not the best it's an art but I just got really tired of selfies and, like, sexy pictures. Oh, my God. So I was that's like, so I – yeah, and I love Crocs, and people always send me Crocs stuff, and it, like, cheers me up, and it makes me happy. And I'm like, I could really literally just, like, replatform into a Crocs meme page, <laughs> and I don't think anyone would really notice. And so that's why I kind of got more into – and it's still a way to kind of capture attention and like be like hey there's also this other stuff that I really wanted to talk about going on so
0: yeah yeah comedy is a great vehicle for like social issues um but and also like just general relief of <laughs> Yeah. emotional things <laughs> yeah
2: I mean, memes are honestly like keeping me alive right now i feel like valid.
0: same so uh-huh. very valid um yeah uh
2: i <laughs> <laughs> i like the idea of you just like de-platforming into a crocs meme like doesn't does, it, does this not exist like
3: <laughs> it i just i want it to exist i like i like try like sometimes i search for crocs memes just because i'm like i want to say something but i don't really want to post a selfie Mm. so let me find some wholesome content um and there's not like i mean there's like little pages it's like a niche thing to be quite honest so i if i were to ever get into memeing i would niche meme like crocs memes Mm. niche Crocs memes yeah
0: yeah, and you know it's an interesting way to get around the algorithm too, because like as sex workers, like we're constantly <laughs> being shadow banned. And yeah, cut off.
3: I've been delete. I got deleted before, and ever since then, I just like I can't like my foolishness has gone down a lot. Mm. I used to, yeah. I've been deleted twice. Oh, um, yeah, once for like more. I guess traditionally, traditionally nudity reasons, and once for more like radical reasons.
2: Mm. Yeah. Oh, so, the, so okay, can you talk about each of those times?
3: Yeah. So a long time ago, I was in. Um, I've actually been hacked too, which was like a weird story. Um, yeah, it has. It's not like sex work related at all, but um, it was like pre-sex work. But uh, I was in Austin and I was just like constant and I was heavily, I used to travel like really constantly. So I used to heavily like promote myself on um, Instagram and it's just like, I went in to go into my Instagram and it was like, nope. And so I was like, okay, well that sucks really bad.
2: Oh, So you were, were you promoting like, um, like stripping things or what were you promoting? Yeah, I was, it was
3: during South by Southwest. So I was, you know, and I was like, putting up lots of pictures and stories of me and my foolishness and my like, you know, my my sexy attire. I mean, so.
2: it's frustrating because it doesn't sound that foolish. It just sounds I like know. branding. Yeah. And like, right. You know, yeah. putting in ads in a place where people see it, like, as opposed exactly. to people not seeing it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I wanted to be seen. So I was, like, being a little bit more risky with my behavior. And then, like, it was really quick, though. I got my accounts back within 24 hours. So, mm-hmm. but I, it was just like a it was a slap on the wrist. And I was like, okay, I understand Ugh. what you're trying to say to me. And Instagram mm-hmm. um
1: I'm
3: and the second time like it was yeah absolutely <laughs> <laughs> the second time when I was just being really vocal when I for, when I first started being super vocal about like the anti-blackness in the sex work community especially in stripping like um there was a lot of pushback I received when I first started and I think that there was like people that were just like reporting old pictures or whatever they were doing but it was like during a time when I was being really like when I first started Um, I, there's a really great Ted talk about it. That's in my link tree about like beyond like bootylicious versus uh, formation Beyonce. Mm -hmm. And I think that was like my bootylicious to formation Spencer. Like I went from like really palatable light skinned, you know, like, um, white passing racially ambiguous, like stripper to like very pro black militant heavily, like, Radical, and people were like, oh, I liked it better when you were just palatable, and <laughs> yeah. my account, yeah. So, um, it can, that's my speculation, but after that, I kind of like, now I kind of play by different rules, but I still like, I feel like I'm still pretty radical, so
0: yeah, oh, definitely. Um, right. yeah, I, where you does that like root come from, that radical root come from because like it doesn't happen for everybody.
2: No, it does. No. <laughs> Especially Yeah. I mean,
0: yeah, like yeah, like you wouldn't have to think about it necessarily. Um but. No.
3: Yeah. Uh it started when I well I started at a really white strip club and I noticed there they only had one other black stripper there and like I noticed the things that people would say about her versus what they would say about me um as like because I am like light-skinned and you know I would wear like I wouldn't wear like natural like looking hair very often and when I did I noticed I didn't make as much money so I didn't wear it as often Mm -hmm. so um I noticed that and it's just like when I started traveling with other strippers, especially with white strippers and seeing like the difference in money compared to the difference in like, not to suck my own dick, but talent, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I would bring like baby strippers with me and I would be like, wow, that's really weird. And I'm, you know, and I'm like, oh, it comes down to ri-. like, it just yeah. sometimes yeah. takes a while for you to realize like, oh, this is a race issue. Like, mm-hmm. because it's hard to like, for me it's hard to kind of like, Because I don't know, I see the best in everyone and I don't want to see it as a race issue and you know, like, I just don't I I don't live my life like that like, where I like, have like I don't think about race until it like, is like, oh it's hurting my feelings, this is about race Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? So it's just like, I I don't know it's a protect my own way to protect myself, is to like, not think about like, just think about work and going to work and then I'm like, oh wait, all of these things come into play, all of these things are really important, like The amount of money that like people make is affected like directly by like their skin color and like their hair texture and and what they look like and it's just like it's a really weird thing it's it's like hyper it's hyper like focused in stripping especially like it's where you see it you hear it in the locker room you hear it from managers like it's so like when that when it started to become more in my face with money like when it became like a money thing then I was like wait a second (laughs) because I have yeah I have two kids and I'm like I need to feed these babies and like I'm working my ass off bringing some people into the game and this is like this is hurting my feelings but Mm -hmm. this is why and there's nothing that can do there's nothing that you can do to change it but like there was all of these people giving this advice like oh this is what you could do with your money and like you know this is how you can come up i'm like this doesn't apply to me like it doesn't (laughs) apply to me like it never did and like once i started talking about it like there was a lot of pushback but then eventually people started to listen and that's when it became really important
2: that pushback is so real
3: yeah. Did so you, I don't know. Did
2: you kind of like start, I mean, have you lived in a black community for most of your life or?
3: Um, Not really. Like my family was like military family and I moved to the West coast and lived mostly in Washington. Mm. Um, But my black family lived in Detroit. So I spent like summers with my black family. They like, they were like, they, it was very important to them for me as the biracial child in the family to like experience like black, like excellence and to see Mm. like the great things that black people could do. And like, to like, not just be, they knew I lived in a super white area. So it was super important for the black side of my family to like make sure that I understood, but I've always been really like passionate about like my blackness. So, because it's just, I grew up with white people and I was Mm. like, but I'm not (laughs) like you. And I like, Mm. I like who I, my mom was, like, pushed that self-love really heavily because she uh, she was, my mother was white and, like, understood, like, life is going to be really difficult for you moving. She lived in Detroit her whole life, and we lived in, like, like white-ass Pacific Northwest. Mm-hmm. And so she was like, this is what you have to deal with. This is what it's going to be like. So I grew up, like like, half and half. Like, I got to experience the Black culture with my Black family, but it was, like, half of the time like I was still I still grew up very much embedded in white culture Mm.
1: Mm.
2: did you when did you make the move to you're in Texas right now right yeah so when did you make that move to the south
3: Um, when I was 17 I joined the military and I went to South Carolina for basic for AIT I went to Maryland but for my station my duty station I went to Kentucky and it was like the border Kentucky and Tennessee and I've been in the south since 2004 so i moved back up to the pacific northwest for a couple years um but i've been in the south since 2004 so i feel like i've been in the south for most of my life at this point Mm. so is it it's a much different much different
0: what what did that transition look like for you coming from like a military background and going into sex work
3: uh being the time frame that I was in the military was like the wild West it was like 2004 to 2009 so it was a really um, wild time
2: in Afghanistan
3: yeah it was like right it was like really happening during that time so for me I like, I always knew that, like I, like I was an attractive, like racially ambiguous, like feminine presenting. Like I always knew where I stood as far as my looks. So, like I don't know, going from the military, like I'm like these men are stupid, and I can take them for, and they they were stupid, and they were willing to give me anything. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, it, like the transition for me, like in my in my with my privilege in the in the time that I had, and it wasn't a big change because I'm like I'm used to working with men and I'm used to men underestimating everything about me and (laughs) like that's kind of an it's like a big advantage when men think that you're like stupid like it really is like because you have the upper hand by being like already like I'm smarter than you already because (laughs) you you came in here to spend some money so I'm smarter than you already Uh, (laughs) so like I don't know the transition for me and I've met other like sex workers that are like former military. And I just think it's, it's because of the way that it's like super rape culture and super toxic masculinity in the military. It's like really empowering to be in a position to be like, no, fuck you pay me basically. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's a terrible, I hate that statement. Fuck you pay me. Cause it's mm-hmm. super privileged also, mm-hmm. but like, like, I don't know. It's just like, it embodies that whole thing feeling of like no like I'm in control and you have to give me money so Mm -hmm. I don't know how other people and also I worked uh, with weapons so I was like explicitly with men and like with the infantry and like it's a job people thought I was a secretary when I was like I'm like that's not a real thing but like here I'll (laughs) fix your weapon for you yeah it was yeah
2: it's That constant, like, undermining of, like, your place there, like, I mean, that's just, uh, I would be infuriating to some degree.
3: Yeah, it was, so, but it made, that's what made the transition pretty easy for me, is because I already kind of, like, I'm like, what else could you really do, like, to make me feel bad about myself, like what are you going to do like slut shave me like that's mm-hmm. the 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 biggest step you could take the difference between those two like degrading type situations because there are a lot of men that come in that are simply like trying to like feel better about themselves by putting themselves in a position of power and like degrading the the people that work there and I'm mm-hmm. like you can't really say much to me uh because I've been I've I've been I've been kicked out of worse place for less <laughs>
2: mm. yeah what made you decide to join the military?
3: I had no direction. I didn't know how I was going to pay for college. I, my parents were like, you have to pay rent or go to school. And I was like, I don't know how to do either of those things. (laughs) So I'm going to join the military. And like my, my dad had always like, he was in the military. So he'd always like pushed it. So it was Mm. kind of like, I feel like it was inevitable. I feel like as the oldest child, that was just my parents were like, it's easier to push you into the military also. So it's just like, uh, we'll unpack that Trump.
2: I totally get that. I mean, like my stepdad (laughs) is um, military too. Like he's retired army. So it's just like, yeah. I mean, you have enough people in your family that are like, going straight to the military track and they're like, it's good for you. Like you'll get benefits. You'll get the GI bill. Right. you get mm-hmm. access to like healthcare. You can have access to like the commissary and everything like cheaper. Right. Food. It's like, you know, you just, and it's an easy
3: career to be quite honest. Like it's written at like a seventh grade reading level. So it's really basic to comprehension and like, they make you feel like you're really special, but it's, re- it's a really simple program and mm-hmm. it's like, it's easily accessible. So it, anybody can can really succeed in the military as long as they're, like, you know, listening and doing what they're told. So,
2: yeah. I mean, how do you contend with that now? Like, because you've clearly, like, changed a lot over time, and I know, like, within the dialogue, there is a lot of talk about, you know, the military-industrial complex and, like, yeah. American interventionism and all of that. Like, how do you you know, relate to your service now and relate to like military service more broadly, like as you've changed and changed careers and life is different, you know?
3: Yeah. Uh, it sucks to look back now. It's not, I don't say it's a mistake because when I got out, I got to do like civilian work as like a government contractor and I made really good money. So I got to experience at a young age, like traveling around the world and like making really good money and doing my job and like And it's like, you get no praise in the military and you get paid really shitty. So like having the praise and the pay for the same job, it felt really cool. So, um, that was great. And I got to experience all those things, but like now looking back, I know it's not, it's, it's like, I don't know. It's like the only good cops are the ones that quit kind of like thing. Cause Mm -hmm. like the military are like world police and they literally tell you that when you're in the military, they're like, we are the world police. And like, you get these really (laughs) wild. Yeah. So you get these like wild ideas in your, in your head because there's these phrases that are constantly being said, you know, like it's brainwashing and hypnotism Mm -hmm. that like, gets you to like act this way Mm -hmm. and to like take on these things because you have to be able to like, you literally have to be able to kill people. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, it's just a factory of bad, bad things. But, Mm -hmm. um, so I don't like, sometimes I, I like feel like, like similar to regret. Like I don't regret it because it got me where I'm at. And like, without experiencing that, I wouldn't have the knowledge that I did about like how, you know, like how it works. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of misconceptions and like now I know how it works and, you know, I can answer questions and I can help people kind of like address that blind nationalism. Mm
1: -hmm. And
3: so I really like being, and and I also like being like that, like complete juxtaposition between like being like, you know, somebody who's like in Iraq and like serving for your country quote unquote and whatever. Um, and now being like, hey, guess what? We live in a fascist police state and we should be like looking at how to defund the military and like make our country like better for everybody else except for the military that we don't need. Like,
0: <laughs> I don't know if you saw like going around. Um, it was it happened a couple weeks ago. I think it happened on on July 4th. And it was like this all countries matter like post. Thing. did you see this
2: no it was so That's weird so confusing. it was
0: confusing <laughs> to me and i was like i was like I, I it 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 really it like how i don't know <laughs>
2: so what's the rhetoric around it
0: okay so like all countries matter like it was it Okay, so when anybody says, like, all something matters, like, obviously, right. like, you're taking from, like, all lives matter, and which yeah. is, like, derivative, uh, like, a, a negative derivative of black lives matter, and it was being reposted by, like, a lot of black people, which was, like, very, like, weird and sur- uh, and, like... Was it
2: black people and brown people? Was it, like, brown people trying to...
0: No, it was black people people. (laughs) It was black people That I followed At one point Yeah, it was really confusing Um, And I think someone said it was like a joke or something But like the way that it was like posed On like a, I don't know, the optics of that Of like posting like All countries matter on July 4th is like trying to like say that like other countries besides America matters, but like the reality is, is that America, like you say, is like it, it like poses itself as like the police of the, the world of like this hegemony. So, like, I don't know, I just wanted other people's like thoughts about that, or like if I was like on one, because like, I mean,
2: that's just like in a hole. Not necessary. <laughs> I mean, it's like, yeah, July 4th is some bullshit, but it's like. Not like saying all countries matter, like most countries have some celebration day that is like the celebration of their country, right? <laughs> <laughs> whatever yeah, that day is so it's just kind of like okay, whatever, <laughs> like cool,
0: <laughs> yeah. Also, like America doesn't like uh, why, like it is that like that position that like all lives matter people take where like they're decentering like the people that actually matter in that conversation, which is like people who are further further marginalized than Americans like we hold a lot of privilege as Americans to be in this country Um, Mm -hmm. and not have to like worry about like militarization uh, by other countries in the same way that other people do so I don't know
2: yeah Uh, (laughs) sorry (laughs) So, uh, so you're no it's fine you're a parent of two kids yes 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 how old are your kids? They're
3: 7 and 11.
2: Oh, gosh. There's big ones. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yes. They're, like, probably going to college next year.
2: <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> One has it a
1: degree. Really,
3: yes. It happens really fast. Um, uh, so, yeah, I can say that about – that's the weirdest thing about being a parent is it happens really fast.
2: Mm-hmm. What? Um, so when you started dancing, and you still kind of dance, right?
3: I still do actually. I'll be in Portland in August, uh, dancing for a couple of weeks just out of accessibility. So Mm -hmm. how
2: are you? Um, so what is your primary way that you're staying afloat during quarantine?
3: Um, well I work in all types of sex work. So I've been using like online. I had one regular customer that was keeping me afloat for a little while. Um, but you know, how customers are yeah. they come and go <laughs> very so I, <laughs> yes absolutely so I've kind of had just like the comings and goings of whatever I've because I had I got into sex work because I needed to take care of my children and I it was very much in a survivor way like I needed money to feed my children mm-hmm. um so that's like a, where my hustle kind of based out of so mm-hmm. it's not it's I, because I lived in extreme poverty before covid is kind of like, not new for me. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not like a new, it's something that it's like, it's new, but it's like something that I am not super stressed because I've been in a stressful position like this before. So I've been kind of just doing what I can do and like working all aspects, diversifying my portfolio. Um, I've been working on it for a long time also. So that's another thing that I have, like, I'm lucky, I'm lucky that I've been working on this for a long time. So I have like a customer base that I can kind of pick from in, in times of need, uh, when it's hard. So, uh, a little bit of this, a little bit of that's gotten me through this. (laughs) (laughs) What does
0: it look like? Or, or I don't know if you've, if, if you've been stripping during this time, but what is it, what is it looking like? It's going to look like at the club when you go back? Yeah,
2: What are the places that you've danced at been like during covid
3: I haven't, I haven't danced since COVID. I was going, out. I just worked, moved from, I went from North Carolina to Louisiana to Austin and I was working um, in all of those places, but I hadn't worked in Austin yet because I needed to get my social security card and I'm a procrastinator.
2: So mm. I just was like, Oh, oh I'll God, get it. It's and such then, a hassle. Like, these, they yeah. make all of this extra red tape for all of this. It's like, I, you may know your number off the top of your right. head. Most uh-huh. only expect you to know that. But they like, no, we need a right. physical card. Right.
3: Absolutely. So I was just like, I procrastinated. And I started bartending. So it didn't really, I was like, I don't really need to go um, back to that type of sex work um, at this moment. So I didn't really mess with it. And then COVID happened. And I was like, oh, so... I mostly dance in Louisiana, which there. uh, thankfully the parish that I work out of only had 21 cases mm. the last time I checked, which is probably more in, at this point, but like, yeah, um, that was last, last month. Um, cause that's where my children are also at, at the moment. Mm. Um, so, uh, it just, it wasn't thinking about it there wasn't so rough because it's such a small rural, it's like a tiny town. So it's not like it wasn't a big deal, but here in Austin I'm a little like I'm a little nervous and I'm a little nervous about going to Portland for me just because I have just I'm very anxious about Mm. COVID and it's it's because I want to try to take it as seriously as possible so it just it looks really weird right now it looks really scary but like you know some people have to work and like I'm I'm one of those people so for me it's just like it's a risk that you have to take is like going back to work but it's really scary that's probably the best way i can describe it but i feel like because of my over anxiousness that i should be like i'm as best prepared as i can be Mm
1: -hmm.
2: right no i mean it's so hard like having to make that decision to like work in the face of everything going on like just because you have to
0: especially this kind of like intimate labor that is like you know you might you like you might be grinding on somebody like you might be face to face with somebody where like other kinds of labor it's like oh I'm handing somebody food I like have at least the arm's distance or like Mm -hmm.
2: like, those the plastic the
0: plexiglass barriers right exactly it's not like there's gonna be a plexiglass barrier around a stage or that like employers would like even care to do that for their employees yeah Um, I mean
2: yeah it's just interesting like some of these clubs are handling this differently like at the clubs that you've seen or have you like looked into the Portland clubs
3: I have I went to um and both of the clubs that I would like would work for I like the owners like happen to take good care of their like their dancers so mm-hmm. that's another thing about like and i and i've traveled a lot to be able to find these places so like i'm really lucky to have that opportunity to be able to like have found these spots however um I forgot what the question was. Um, I was
2: gonna just ask you, like, so does it? Oh, what does it look
3: like? Mm-hmm. I went to a strip club in Portland mm-hmm. because I really wanted to support. I didn't have the time to go to a stripper strike, and I just wanted to go pop in, find a mm-hmm. black sex worker, give them all of the cash that I had on hand, and like have a drink and leave kind mm-hmm. of thing, which I did. Um, Dream on Saloon, by the way, is a really good place for uh, dancers of color, specifically black dancers in. Portland Um, yeah 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 Yeah. because I had to go to a couple places to find uh you know and like it's not the safest thing to do however I'm literally like popping my head in kind of like thing to do um, Mm. before I found what I needed to but they're only open till 10 they have plexiglass for the bartenders there weren't that many people in the strip club there everybody wore masks it's a different environment um but like dancers wearing masks Yes, yes, absolutely. And so were the customers, which I was really thankful for. Even when they were outside, because um, I smoke cigarettes sometimes, and I went outside for a cigarette, and people were still wearing their masks. The people who weren't smoking were still wearing their masks. So, it, like, everybody had good etiquette. It, mm-hmm. I think it's also, it depends on where you go. Like, that's, like, a, a single, that's, like, a one, that's my experience. Mm-hmm. So I can't speak to, but it was, it wasn't that bad at were either place that I went to. Were
2: dances, or was it just stage?
3: I... I honestly didn't ask. I was just like, here's my money because like, I get bamboozled it. just as well. I'm like, here you go. Yeah, you guys are doing yeah. so great. Like, <laughs> I deserve this.
2: <laughs> I like, know, and it's also like it's a desperate moment, you know? Like, people yeah. are really going to latch on to anybody who's, like, putting money, you know? Who's, like, mm-hmm. giving away mm-hmm. money like that, so.
3: Yeah, and I try to make it, like, make everything easy because I am, like, also a stripper so I understand mm. how it feels. Like, you do latch on to that money and I'm like, this is what I have. This is what I'm doing and, like, this is like this is it like this is all the whole shebang so I wanted to make so I didn't really know I didn't really get I didn't ask them about how their day was or anything I didn't want to waste their time I just kind of gave them money and and left them alone Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah
2: Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah it's tricky I mean it's like you need to gather some intel with it you know like if you're gonna go in and you you want to make sure that it's a safe place but it's like you also don't want to waste your stripper's time
3: right I know in Louisiana they're not doing lap dances um And in Portland, I think they're still doing lap dances. But don't Hmm. quote me on that right at this moment. Okay.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's so confusing. I mean, like, as an out-of-work stripper, it's like, I'm really curious about all of the ways that clubs are opening right now. But it's just like, I don't know. It's so...
3: Here in Texas, the clubs are closed. Uh, The strip clubs the titty bars. The titty bars are closed, so the bars that serve alcohol only allow topless, but mm-hmm. the BYOB strip clubs are still open. Hmm. So, yeah, and I'm not sure. I do have a couple friends that work there, but they're they're not working right now, so I'm mm-hmm. not sure how that's going. So I'm I'm, like, thirsty for knowledge also. Like, yeah. I'm trying to gain as much information as I can.
2: It's like, I don't know. I love working. I love being a stripper, but also, like, I'm really scared to go to... The strip club right now just because it's right. it's such a fucking breeding ground for just gross shit to begin with like even before COVID, yes. people are oh, yeah. always up to nasty stuff like just coughing into things or just like eating and touching everything and they're like feet feet, feet are a thing feet. um <laughs> you know my clients have definitely requested i and other people pee on them and that has definitely happened like it's right. just a lot of just passing, you know, fluid bacteria and fluids back and <laughs> yes, forth like absolutely a lot of closeness very close face-to-face contact all of that so Uh it's like you know I mean strippers we pass things along so fast because it's an intimate community
3: (laughs) and we're rolling around in each other's sweat on the floor it's like it's yes it's very messy and
2: we're just always up in each other's business too just like Mm -hmm. fixing hair (laughs) cutting tampons sharing makeup like right so it's it's It's... hard to control that, you know, like the culture is not like that. Right. now. Right.
3: Fortunately for Portland, um, I worked in Portland a lot. That's probably one of the places I've worked the most. um, And well, at least the most consistently. And for the most part, because there's so many strip clubs, there's usually not like to have like 14 dancers is like, a Saturday night. You know what Mm. I'm saying? Like most of the time they have like seven dancers Mm. is about the average. So you're not, not, yeah, it's not like working in like Texas where you have like a hundred dancers in the locker room at the same time Yeah, or other places. Like, um, it's really like, it's really mild. And I like that about Portland is that you can find these smaller clubs and that's where I'll be at is a smaller club. So that's another reason why I'm kind of like, okay with going here to work, uh, Mm. spend my time but mm-hmm. uh I wouldn't go back that's why I'm not working here in Austin is because I can't like I I just can't find it within myself to go into a super big club like mm-hmm. that and like bless all of my friends that are working right now and I hope they continue to make money but I can't do it
2: Mm-hmm. whenever you um get back to have time with your kids will you like quarantine before and all of that
3: uh yeah I've traveled I every time I've traveled I've quarantine for my 14 days I like make sure that my trip is long enough to like well it's not like I've traveled a lot I've gone Mm
1: -hmm. like one place
3: but um to visit family but um I like I will be quarantining because I have to but I'm going to see them before I leave Mm -hmm. so I won't have to quarantine
1: after
2: that's good I mean but that's also just like an immense burden too for you Is like you know being safe and facilitating safeness for everybody around you and trying to make it work it's just well,
3: I'm a loner, to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't hang out with anybody. I smoke a lot of weed. <laughs> and I like that's why I like sex work is because I can work by myself. So mm-hmm. I, I, it's not super hard like quarantining because I live in my tiny space with my fiance. And that's the only person that I really interact with when I'm not on the internet. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's, I, I'm an exception to some yeah. rules just that in that way. But it works, it works out for me because I am like
2: so (laughs) antisocial. Yeah. Well, I don't mean it on, like, on you. I mean it, like, just in this, this fact that, you know, like, Americans across the country are forced into this same situation of, like, all of this choosing and budgeting time and setting aside time and scheduling to be away from family and, like,
1: all of this unnecessary Mm -hmm.
2: shit that, like, we, we could have handled We could have handled this months ago. We could (laughs) have handled this a lot sooner and a lot better. And then we wouldn't have this, like, you know, this burden upon all of us as individuals, you know?
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah, we definitely could have dealt with this a lot better. It seems a little, it's really strange to, like, wake up in the morning and realize that this is how we're living life right now. And, like, and I, you guys are in California, right? That's yeah. where, like, it's it's getting real wild out there. And I'm, oh, like, yeah. very, it's, <laughs> it's concerning. I can't. I try not to look at the news too much, but I have to because you have to right, right. now. There's yeah. like, yeah. it's, it's really, it's kind of irresponsible to not look at the news at this point in time. So it's, yeah, it's really weird to think that this is where we're at right now in 2020 mm-hmm. after, especially because it was like everyone was
2: like woo 2020 yeah hot girl summer <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hot, yeah not a hot girl summer no no no, no. <laughs> yeah not
0: at all stay inside please summer yeah <laughs> but
2: speaking of, like, speaking of though fucking poor megan shit this whole honestly
3: life.
0: oh my gosh we love megan in this house
3: first of all mm-hmm. and i love I love her because I love nasty sluttiness, like, and Mm -hmm. I love when, I love Lil' Kim, I love when Black women are shamelessly sexual, like, Mm -hmm. because it's like, it's just, there's so much negativity wrapped around, like, the sexuality of a Black woman, so Mm -hmm. for somebody, like, so young and beautiful and powerful, and she's tall, like, I would, I would gladly be her Ottoman, like honestly, anything to be useful. I would do her laundry. I would wash her dishes. Like I would be so useful for her Um, because she just deserves the best. She's like, yeah, like we need, like we needed Megan to influence the world because she's like a dark skinned, very tall. And like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just like, if it was necessary, like she, we needed to listen to Megan and I my heart is with her in this whole situation that's another wild thing too is like she's the sweet angel i would have never imagined that she mm-hmm. would get shot multiple times but like also like are we really surprised because this is what happens in the world yeah. right
0: exactly like a lot of <laughs> really amazing artists really great minds really you know important people <laughs> to the world have been shot and or
2: killed. I'm just happy mm-hmm. she's alive in a way like yes. because we've lost so many people
3: yeah
0: I yeah. mean
2: I don't know it's like it's so tragic and it's like really fucked up the way that people are like joking about it already and shit like
3: that. Yeah that's awful
0: and unfortunately I've seen a lot of that like come from like black men black men
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's so the anti-blackness that like lives inside of so many like black people but specifically like black men is the it's it's really difficult to like mm it's really difficult to let it that sit in your body at all oh yeah i don't know if you follow there's a instagram called darkest hue i think Mm.
3: yes and i love them especially how much they're putting out about colorism because like i don't know it's it's a unique experience to be biracial but also it's just like people need to stop with their fascination and really listen to like darker skinned people
0: it's I it, I I really enjoy the conversations that they are starting because like they're talking about like exotification of like mm-hmm. of mixed children they're talking about like the colorism that exists within the black community they're mm-hmm. talking about like uh it it gives me so much like relief to like see that like somebody I don't know it's like somebody's uh, fleshing it out somebody you. yes and that like I'm I don't know I don't know about you both but like it's like you have all these things that you experience throughout your life and like you are constantly questioning yourself whether or not those things are actually happening, whether those things are actually detrimental to you. You've been like gaslit so much about those experiences that like when you see somebody else like put it all into like a neat little box, it's like, oh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) oh wow, bless.
1: (laughs) It must be especially
3: validating for you as a darker skinned like person. Like for me, it's like yeah, for me, it's not so much. It's just, like, a little bit of, I, like, it's it's a different... It hits a different way, yeah. but, like, it has to be, like... It, if it's validating for me, it has to be validating for, like, darker-skinned individuals. Yeah,
0: definitely. So I'm glad that information is being proliferated. Also, like, yeah. the... the con- I don't know. It reminds me a little bit... So when I first found you, and we're going to, like, start wrapping up. But when I first found okay. you, you would, like, you you would talk directly to people who were being like anti-black and like who were like <laughs> doing fuck shit on the internet. And it, and it was really like helpful for me to see that happening because like, first off, it was very validating. Um, and, uh, but also like, it was, it was like empowering, you know, like to see like another black non-binary like femme on the internet, like doing that work on a like just just so confidently and like so unabashed and just like fuck y'all like i get to like (laughs) exist (laughs) um and like i'm gonna talk back like talking back especially like being told as like a little kid like don't talk back like seeing Mm. you talk back to like the fuck shit was like so nice and i just wanted to like appreciate that real quick
3: my heart thank you so much I didn't know that I like had that impact and that makes me like I'm like yeah it's making me cry <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah keep that heat um, <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: it's
0: so um but yeah um do you have places you want to plug or like where you're gonna be when you go to Portland or any um, like what is it? Cash what, app what social Venmo. media do you
2: want to plug? And what's your cash app and Venmo and other digital oh, wallet details?
3: My Instagram is Grim Kardashian, which is my old roller derby name. It just kind of stuck. Just in case anybody is wondering, I always um, loved that
2: name. I was like, this is really funny, <laughs> and I didn't yeah, it was... from derby, so that's even better.
3: <laughs> right, and uh, all of my. Uh, links are in my link in my bio if anyone cares i I just like uh my my what's it called cash app is probably groceries it's the easiest thing to remember um wait
2: how do you spell it and and is there it's like the dollar sign and then
3: oh dollar sign and then just probably groceries like probably groceries i can't spell
2: okay (laughs) p-r-o-b-a-b-l-y-g-r-o-c-e-r-i-e-s Oh my gosh, the
0: talent. Uh, (laughs) I don't think he spoke groceries.
2: G R O C I C E R I E. Is that how you spell
0: groceries? I don't know how to spell E-B-A-S. See, that's
2: what I'm saying. Google (laughs) it. (laughs) Look look them up. It'll be in the fucking bio, you guys. Yes, (laughs) Yes, absolutely.
3: Yeah. (laughs) And honestly, like just if anybody could do anything take a look at my follower like the people that i follow i like follow a lot of like really great like black women and like black resources and things like that whenever anyone asks me to follow i say follow who i'm following because i've done a lot of like i curated who i follow like Mm -hmm. you know it took a long time to get there but like i made sure that it's like a diverse group of people so that i don't get stuck in like a just like really bad feedback loop on the internet so make sure to check out like yeah Make sure to check out the people. I follow some cool people, um, you two included. So, uh, yeah, definitely check that out. And, like, if you – because I get a lot of my information from the people that I follow, too. Mm-hmm. So if you want to, like, you know, be like me and learn, then you got to learn from the people that I learn from and who they learn from. And learning is a journey. Yeah, it's not a destination. Mm. You guys, I'm like, I'm huge fans of you two and like the things that you do and say. So like, I'm very honored to be here, and I really appreciate you having me today.
2: Aww. Oh, thank We're you. So happy to have you, and I'm so glad to meet you, kind of IRL. That was like right. Yes. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, this is really nice. Okay, uh, this is a beautiful reunion or meeting. <laughs> I don't know. All yeah, this
0: is great. Sleepy Selena. Right. Sleepy, sleepy, sleepy cory <laughs> I, I haven't sleepy been Spencer. sleeping,
2: y'all. It just—it's ha- yeah. hard sometimes. It is.
3: I had a heavy week of like hiking and horseback riding, and I smoked the oh. marijuana. so Ooh,
0: yeah. I feel you. <laughs> That's yeah. so nice. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Oh
2: wait, do you do do y'all have any sex work stories to share before we go?
0: Sex work stories. <gasps> Maybe We're I don't in, know. You do go. You
3: I don't know I have so many I don't know that would like I'll if there's ever another time I'm back here I will come back with a well-prepared like (laughs) sex work story how about that
0: (laughs) sounds good to me yeah uh a sex work story um no I don't have one right now (laughs) there will be one there'll be one next time though for sure (laughs)
2: uh I've just, okay, I'm just going to update everybody on my latest Gemini Ketamine Man stuff. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's just been interesting, because I've, like, become his escort girlfriend, essentially. Nice. Yeah, and I just don't, I mean, it's so weird uh, hanging with certain kinds of white people, particularly the white people that can afford my time right now Um, Mm -hmm. because I am just, like, amazed by how incredibly well-off and privileged his whole family is.
3: (laughs) That's a nice feeling, though, because you get to benefit off of it.
2: That's very true. That is very true. Like, we had a conversation where he was like, whenever I win, you win, (laughs) And I I felt like it was a very Uncut Gems moment. Like, I don't know if you've seen the movie or anybody um, listening to this has, but if you haven't, maybe go see it, because there's actually a pretty good storyline with, like, a sugar baby relationship.
3: Nice. I'll look it up.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, It's, like, the movie with, like, Adam Sandler, and, like, uh, it's an indie film. But anyway, (laughs) so, like, the, the... the, per, the lead person in it, Howie, who is played by Adam Sandler, has a, a terrible, crippling gambling addiction. And he gambles on everything mm. and gambles his whole life, essentially, away and puts his himself in danger and his family in danger and all of that. Um, but there's just the whole, like, him, whenever he won, his sugar baby would win. And I just feel like that's kind of my life right now. Mm. My nice. My customers, like... Essentially betting on coronavirus, <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> and so whenever coronavirus wins and America does something dumb, we both win. And it's and it's a really terrifying like loop in a way, but also yeah. like I am a black sex worker benefiting from this equation, and right. so it's yeah. It there's many mix layers of
0: feelings. Yeah, a whole
2: mix of feelings. It's a lot of layers. It's a yeah. lot of layers. Well, uh, oh, I'm trick. glad you're winning. Well, thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Oh, I am a white man and I don't respect you. You gotta earn my respect. You only got here because of affirmative action. I miss the olden days when people were respectful and nothing bad ever happened. Oh. Are you tired of dealing with white men? Do you feel like you're banging your head against the wall, having to recount the history they should have learned in school? Does your national flag feel like a hate symbol? It's time to consider becoming a domestic terrorist. I know it sounds extreme. It is extremism at its core. But if white men have proven anything, it's that there is a place for domestic terrorism in Western society. We all know Dylan Roof and Brenton Tarrant, Why do white men get to have all the fun destroying our lives? It's time for a black lady terror cell. Make terrorism great again by using it to overthrow our corrupt system. The U.S. wants to install puppet dictatorships in the Middle East? Let's install puppet socialists in the White House. France continuing to colonize African countries? How about we drop Macron and replace him with some fanon-touting radical leadership? The Aussie government genociding away First Nation people? Time to end civil conversation and instead switch to civil war. Terrorism doesn't have to be all that bad. Let's turn terror into terrific today.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much for of coming course. on. Of um, course. Thank you
2: for having me.
0: You can follow me at the Goddess Cory. All my links are in my link tree. I just put out. Um, like a bunch of mixes it's really weird i went in a hole i'm off of the internet right now sort of uh but i made music
3: kind of i liked your music Thank i you. liked it awesome. that was some jams so, nice like atmospheric stuff
0: yeah i i curate music for elevators that's what i how i think of the music that i make <laughs> Okay. I, that, like, yes. I just want elevator music. I'm very into like Vaporwave, but that's separate. Anyway, I that too.
2: <laughs> no, Vaporwave is elevator music. Yes. And that's you. fine. <laughs> and I like it too. <laughs> but yeah. Um, I'm Selena the Lestripo. You can follow me on Instagram at Pretty Boy Girl. You can follow this project, Ho in the Know, at Ho in the Know, spelled like Hukes in the Nukes, as I like to say H <laughs> E A U X in the K N E A U X. Um, you can support me on Patreon at the Real Pretty Boy Girl, where you can read stories about me escorting my and I, woo, woo, Gemini, Gemini ketamine man, Gemini <laughs> 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 stories. Uh, I am going to be doing an intro to this book uh, that I. He has a section in, yeah. How to build a hooker's um, army. Yes,
1: Yeah. That is coming
2: up, and I'm uh, gonna promote the shit out of that book. Definitely. Um. Oh yeah. And uh, aside from that, um, yes. Also, tantra sessions. It's coming up. I've talked about it. Yes. It's, it's. I have a tab in my browser that's full of writing on it, and um, yes. So cannot wait to get into that. And, yeah, so this has been an episode of How the Know. Have a great one, guys. Bye-bye. See you later. Goodbye. <laughs> Mom money. I
0: want your money. I want my money.